History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25 years old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking to pastor and author Dave Adamson. He's uh, done a lot of work over the years. We're going to find out a bit of his story. Welcome along, mate. Tell us your background. Where were you born and raised? Hey, Matt. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's great. Good to meet you and uh, speak with some of your audience. Uh, yeah, I was born in Melbourne, Australia, in the western suburbs of Melbourne. And um, yeah, just, just grew up there, spent my whole life there. And that's where I got my start um, in, in the media, also where I became a Christian when I was in about year 11 in high school. Wow. So was it like a, a Christian school group where you came to faith? Or? Uh, no. I, so I went, <laughs> it's a funny story, Matt. I went to a, uh, uh, just a regular state public high school and uh, we had we had like three Christians in the whole school and there was one course that I was doing. I had a computer science class and, and I got stuck with uh, the guy who was kind of like the main Christian in the school. He was a kid who walked around with Jesus written on the bottom of his bag and Bible verses all over his books. And, you know, I actually, uh, to be honest, this was year 11. I didn't want to have anything to do with this kid. Um, but then ultimately, you know, over the course of this six-week project, um, I just started asking him a couple of questions, and, and that led to more questions. And, and really, the questions I was asking him were about faith, the Bible, Jesus, God, church, like all of that sort of stuff, just some random questions I think I had floating somewhere in the back of my mind. And this kid, I mean, he answered the ones that he could. If he didn't know the answer, he was straight up honest and just said, hey, I don't know the answer to that. That's a great question, but my dad's a pastor and I'm going to ask him. And so the next day he'd come back with an answer. I just felt like, you know, this kid was really answering a whole bunch of the questions that I'd had growing up about what it meant to follow Jesus and who Jesus was and what the Bible was all about. And so from there, you know, he uh, connected me into his church community, and I, I, I felt probably more welcomed, more accepted, and more loved than just about any other time in my life from this group of people who I didn't even know. And so really for me, that's how I came to faith. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a message that was preached at a particular Sunday. It wasn't, you know, a worship song or anything along those lines. It wasn't a... a, a you know, a Damascus Road experience, but it was really just a, a kid loving and accepting me over the course of multiple weeks and answering the questions I had about faith. Wow, that is such a great story. You know, the, the Jesus dude at your school led you to Jesus. I love that. That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us a bit about your um, uh, early career. What kind of work did you do after school and everything? Yeah, so so when I got out of the high school, I went to Deakin University in Geelong. Uh, shout out to all the Geelong people who are listening. Um, and I, I did a journalism degree there, majored in journalism and literature, and really just wanted to be a, a sports reporter. That's really all I wanted to do. So I started writing for local mag, uh, local newspapers. From there, I went to magazine editing, um, worked for the Footy Show magazine for a little while, and from there went straight to the AFL um, in late, in the late 90s and uh, in 2000 became the youngest ever editor of the AFL record 
And as part of that, uh, you know, Channel 10 came out and did an interview with me. Um, uh, some people don't realize that the AFL record is, uh, I believe, the, the oldest uh, magazine, uh, sports magazine in Australia. And it's one of the highest selling sports magazines as well. So Channel 10 wanted to do an interview with me. And from there, I, uh, after that interview, they said, hey, have you thought about going to TV? And so then I moved to Channel 10 and became a, a sports reporter and producer for Sports Tonight for about seven years. And that's where I thought my, my trajectory was headed. You know, I was a Christian by this point. I was a dad. I was married. Um, but, you know, I, I had no aspirations to be a pastor at all. I just wanted to be a sports reporter. And then, um, you know, there was a point where we had this fork in the road where uh, ESPN in, in, in the U.S. called me and offered me a position. And so I started talking with them and my wife and I were thinking about what it might look like for us to move to the U.S. to work for ESPN. And we felt like God really told us that that wasn't what he was calling us to do. And so we put that all to bed. All to bed. We thought that, that, that the possibility of moving to the U.S. was over. But then literally a month later, while I was still wondering what I was going to do with my life, because this seemed like the next step in my career, right? I, I've been working in, in TV in Australia, and, and ESPN is worldwide the, the highest level you can get to as a sports reporter or producer. And so that's where I thought I was going. But then God opened the door to, to uh, go to the U.S., to work for this church called Liquid Church in New Jersey, of all places. And we really felt called to go to that. So we sold our house, sold our cars, sold it, almost everything we had. I ended my media career, went into full-time ministry in the U.S., packed up my wife and three daughters, and, and away we went. That was in 2008. Wow, what a massive change. And uh, yeah. it must have been a big church, was it? Uh, it was At the time we got there, it was a church of about... Um, probably about 1,800 people. And after five and a half years when we left, uh, the church had, I, I think at the time it was four campuses, um, about to open their fifth campus, probably about 3,000 people attending. And we had about 70, uh, well, at the time it was probably about um, 7,000 people who were watching online as well. And now that church has, gosh, I think it's like 10 campuses in, in New Jersey. Wow. And you know what? They love Aussies over in the US, don't they, hey? They sure, they sure <laughs> do. Yeah, they sure do. Um, and, and that's, you know, uh, the fact that I had an Australian accent meant that, you know, I, I could reach an online audience a little bit easier because there were people from around the world who didn't see me as, as being an American pastor. They saw me as being an Australian who just happened to work in America. And I just feel like that, that reputation for, that Australia has uh, of being laid back and being casual just really helped that online approach at the time. Uh, some, sometimes I, I, well, one of the things I talk about, Matt, is, is when I moved over in 2008, I, I moved over there to become an online pastor. And I was actually the eighth online pastor in the U.S. Um, there was a group of us that would get together, and, and uh, we capped it at 10, and I came in as number eight. Um, and so, yeah, back then, 2008, man, that was like barely past dial-up internet, and, and uh, everything was way different than it is now. Wow. Who'd have thought the world had changed so much since 2008, hey? And uh, Yeah, it changed a lot. Who'd have thought churches would have to go online during lockdowns in 2020. I mean, my goodness, I could never have dreamed that would have happened. <laughs> yeah, that's how God works though, right? He, he, he brings the unexpected in at times. Like even for me, I, it was unexpected. I had no idea that I was ever going to full-time ministry. I certainly wasn't pursuing that. And so to take my media skills, the skills that I developed as a, 
as a, a producer on t- and TV, as a sports reporter in front of the camera on TV, I didn't know at the time that that was directly transferable yeah. over to an online streaming service. But but I didn't know that at the time. God did something unexpected. And then, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, I did that for two, you know, for five and a half years or so, and then God did something unexpected again. And, and uh, he opened a door for us to go to, North Point Ministries in Atlanta, where Andy Stanley is the lead pastor, and I ended up working, my wife and I ended up working actually on staff for like seven and a bit years uh, in Atlanta as well. So yeah, God does the unexpected. Wow. And you know what? Andy Stanley, what a great preacher. And of course, his father, Charles mm. Stanley, a legend uh, radio preacher as well. You know, yeah. the, these guys are just, you know, world class. Uh, did you just yeah. pinch yourself when you're working with, with uh, Andy Stanley? <laughs> We did, you know, every single day we would, we would pinch ourselves and for a whole bunch of different reasons, right? I mean, I, again, I was the, I, I think I was the first Australian to be on staff at North Point. And so that made me stand out just a little bit. Mm. And so, you know, I got to be able to be connected with Andy and reported directly to him for a while. And just an incredible guy. Uh, just, you know, what you see on stage is what you see off stage. Like he's just got such a great heart for ministry, such a great heart for people. And as you said, one of the best communicators in the world. And, and one of the reasons I pinched myself was, you know, getting the opportunity to preach at North Point was awesome. But the, the pre lead up to that, having Andy and his team uh, provide feedback on my message as I was writing it and coaching me through what, like how to preach the way that he preaches that for me, like that's, you know, that's priceless. Um, So to get that sort of instruction and training and coaching and experience was, was absolutely massive. And then obviously, you know, North Point does everything on a, on a, on a different level just because of its sheer size. And so to be able to learn about ministry strategy, to be able to learn about staff culture, to be able to learn about the, the, the way that a ministry, the way that a church can reach unchurched people, that for us was was absolutely priceless as well, especially as Australians, Matt, because, you know, in the U.S., in Atlanta, it's not about whether or not you go to church. The question is, what church do you go to? Because everybody goes to church, right? Yeah. And so for my wife and I growing up in Australia, that was so foreign to us um, in so many different ways. And so now to be back here in Australia and to have had that coaching of how to uh, create churches where unchurched people love to engage. That for us is such a profound experience that, again, the unexpectedness of God, right? We didn't know that God was preparing us to come back and, and hopefully um, help reach unchurched people here in our own country where where the unchurched uh, population is so much higher than it is in Atlanta, certainly, but in the U.S. as a whole. Well, mate, I'm curious to know a bit about your current role. So you're the director of Orange Australia and New Zealand. You're back living in, in Aussie yeah. in the in the sun, sunny coast, beautiful spot. Yeah. And uh, yeah. through the church network I'm a part of, A2A, I was introduced to you and, and this incredible uh, Orange uh, network. Tell us all about it. For those who haven't heard of it, what's Orange all about? Yeah, so Orange is a church strategy company. Uh, most people know Orange for the curriculum that they put out for family ministries, for, for kids, students, um, college, that sort of uh, that sort of curriculum that we put out. But we're actually a church strategy company. And the idea behind it is, you know, the, the, the reason it's called Orange is because we want to take the, the light of the church, which is represented by 
you know, the, the color yellow and the heartbeat of the family, which is represented by the color red and part, have the church partner with families, have the church partner with parents to help them raise the next generation to understand faith and to understand scripture. And so really that's what orange is about. But the idea behind the strategy side of it is a lot of people don't realize that, you know, people might've heard of Andy Sandler, people might've heard of North Point, um, North Point is a church that, you know, pre-COVID was, was having a weekly attendance of 42,000 people. But part of the reason for that growth, the, the main catalyst or the main engine for that growth was actually the family ministries. Mm. We understood early on, or the leadership at North Point understood early on, that if they can get kids to want to come to church, they will bring their parents with them. Yeah. And so really, Orange was born out of that. Orange came out of the North Point uh, model, like the, the guy who runs Orange, Reggie Joyner, the guy who started it, was one of the first uh, founding pastors of North Point. Um, and so he took the model that he established there and, and started this own thing called Orange. And so really, it's a strategy company that, that helps churches in Australia now. And this is what I'm part of what I'm doing in my role is help churches in Australia partner with families to in the moments in their moments of greatest need so that they can connect with the church. That's a huge part of what we do. Wow, it's such a great ministry. I know a lot of churches that are now connecting with uh, these wonderful resources you have through Orange as well and uh, yeah. encourage people to look into that. Uh, before we go, the, the big news for you is you released a book, which I'm really curious to know about. Uh, it's called yeah. Meta Church. Uh, tell us yeah. the heart behind the book. Yeah, so as, a, as an online and social media pastor for you know more than 13 years, uh, as one of the first online pastors in the world, what I wanted to do was take my experience, take all the lessons that I've learned, and provide a really practical tool for church leaders in the postmodern world, right? And so, so we know from all the analytics, all the reports and everything, that, that people are spending more and more time online. In fact, I read some studies just recently that indicated that the average Australian, I don't know if you knew this, Matt, the average Australian it has their phone in their hand within three minutes of waking up. Wow. And also, you know, uh, we also know from statistics provided by Google and YouTube that YouTube alone, that, that video platform, is the second largest search engine in the world. But it's also one of the places that it, it, it's actually become the most uh, engaged social media platform in the world with more than 95% of the of people in all demographics leveraging that platform, using that platform on a regular basis. Um, and so what I wanted to do was create a resource for church leaders on how they can leverage this new technology to reach a postmodern world. And so it's called Meta Church for the reason that this word meta is a prefix that we use in multiple words uh, in our English language. For example, it's a prefix that can mean to change, as in the word metamorphosis. It's a prefix that can be used uh, to indicate going beyond, as in metaphysical. So the reason I called it Meta Church is because in the postmodern world, I really believe that the church needs to change its model to go beyond just Sundays, to go beyond just the church building and actually reach the community if they're going to make an impact in our society and in our culture. So the idea of a meta church is establishing a, a, a model that takes into account the best of the physical world, you know, physical church, in person church, and the best of online digital church and combines them to help us use 21st century technology to fulfill Jesus's first century mission, which was, he told us all to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. So I really believe that technology gives us the opportunity 
to go into all the world and to make disciples by being present with them within the first three minutes when they wake up and grab their phone, right? If they saw some sort of content there, we have this ability now. I just want to encourage and resource church leaders to leverage this tool. Yeah, mate, that is so awesome. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes from John Wimber, he said, throw the nets where the fish are. And the mm. thing is, everyone's online these days, and uh, that's exactly. why churches need to be having an active presence. And, mate, I've, uh, I've friended you on Facebook a while back, and I've loved all your stuff on Facebook, uh, which I know is for old people like me. Uh, but I also know you're on uh, TikTok, you're on Instagram, you're on Twitter, yeah. uh, and you've got a massive yeah. YouTube uh, channel as well. It's so good to yeah. see that you are utilising these platforms. And, and one thing I'm curious to ask about too is you do a lot of stuff – uh, explaining Hebrew words as well. Tell us your heart behind that. Yeah, it seems weird, right? Because I'm this known as this online technical guy, but I also <laughs> uh, love teaching people the ancient Hebrew. Um, so, so, so essentially, you know, look, I didn't grow up in a Christian family, and so I didn't learn how to read the Bible like from a young age or anything along those lines. So as I started to, to understand and read the Bible a little bit better, I wanted to learn more and more, and one of my pathways to God is intellectual. And so it actually started, I, I, not many people ask me about this specifically, so I'm going to share something with you a lot of people don't know. I actually started meeting in New Jersey with an Orthodox Jewish rabbi, wow. and I started asking him questions about um, what we call, as Christians, what we call the Old Testament. He wouldn't call it that. He would call it the Torah. And so I started talking with him, and he started opening things, my mind up to things that I'd never heard before. And so what I started to realize is that as I started to learn some Hebrew words myself, it actually opened Scripture up in a whole new way. These, these stories that I've been uh, reading about and had been learning, it just gave me new insights into them. The way that I put it is this way. Um, it's like, you know, I grew up uh, at the beach, you know, grew up uh, near Bells Beach um, in, in Victoria. And it'd be like if I went to that beach every single day, right, and I knew every every rock, every uh, tide, every nuance of the sand and the way the ocean moves. But then one day, 20 years later, somebody gave me a snorkel and a, and a mask and said, you should go out and check it out. And once I got under the water, I would see that there was a whole new world open to me. It, didn't make the, it wouldn't make the beach any less appealing. That's still appealing. But I would see this whole new world. And really learning about the Hebrew culture and learning about first century culture has opened my eyes to things that Jesus said that I didn't really understand before. And then going to Israel multiple times, like I have, where I, I work with an organization over there and lead tours for Christians over there, that's just opened my eyes even more. As a visual learner, that's uh, definitely a visual learner. To be able to stand on the Sea of Galilee, to be able to stand uh, in the Jordan River where Jesus was baptized, to be able to stand in the Judean wilderness and feel the, the heat of the sun. I've stood in the Judean wilderness, Matt, on a day when it was 52 degrees. Wow. And to feel that, that just makes the story of Jesus in the Judean wilderness become more alive to me. Yeah. And so that's really helped me. So I, I love teaching people that through my Instagram account and teaching them some simple words that they can use to unlock some more of the scripture. Mate, I love it. I've been uh, stalking you, checking out some of this stuff. I love all the stuff you do. <laughs> Mate, our time is up, but I want to encourage people to check out your website. It's daveadamson.tv, and there they Correct. can find the link to the new book uh, called Meta Church, and they'll find yep. the links there to Orange, Australia, and New Zealand as well, uh, links yep. to all your other socials as well. So cool to catch up with you today, Dave. I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, mate. Cheers. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. You'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. 
History Makers is a faith-based ministry, and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater, and my challenge to you now is to go and make history.